Welcome to our DSM Hollywood podcast. We're so glad you've joined us. It is an honor to have part in your growth in truly living through faith in Jesus Christ. The following message is a teaching by Dr. Daniel Shersted, presented at the River's Edge Church in Rancho Cucamonga, California. For more information about DSM Hollywood, including how you can join us at upcoming events, please visit our website at www.dsmhollywood.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at DSM Hollywood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Put your right hand on your heart this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, we come to you and we thank you, Lord God, that you're opening up our hearts this morning. You're opening up our spirits this morning. We come to you, Lord God, Father, as we stand in your very manifest, tangible, anointed presence, Lord God, Father. Thanking you, Lord God, that you are going to, Lord, quicken your word to us, Lord God. And your word is going to find a place in our heart, Lord God, Father. And Lord, your word is going to explode on the inside with revelation this morning. And Lord God, it's just going to come alive like never before, Lord God. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for freedom this morning in the name of Jesus. I thank you for a level of freedom, Lord God, coming, Lord God, to people's spirits, souls, and bodies, Lord God, Father, to their minds, to their ways, to patterns of thinking, Lord God, Father. Lord, freedom, Lord God, like never before, Lord God. The light of illumination, Lord God, Father, coming alive on the inside of them this morning as they hear your word and experience your presence, Lord God, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I'm telling you right now, listen, as I was praying, I was hearing the Holy Spirit, he's saying, listen, to tell you that this very week, this very week, there's going to be absolutely one breakthrough after another breakthrough after another breakthrough that's going to take place in your lives in the name of Jesus. Those that can believe the word of the Lord, I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, supernatural. I hear the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you right now, there are several miracles that are in motion right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Doug, I was just talking to, to, uh, to someone that goes to Dr. Phil's church. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. Um, just ye- uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, and told me that, uh, you know, that, uh, that because of the COVID and everything, and, and uh, you know, he's 85 years old, 86 years old, preaching, teaching, pastoring. I mean, he'll preach and teach for like an hour and a half every Sunday morning at 86 years old. And, uh, but be, during this cold COVID thing, kind of thing, you know, because of mo- most of the church is older, and uh, so there was a lot of time that they couldn't meet and stuff like that, and, and, uh, and because of everything going on, they were unable to pay the rent on the building, which was $6,000 a month for the whole year, and including now, they're not able to pay it. And he, we were out to lunch with them a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I don't know, we're like, we, got, we owe a lot of money to the man who they've been leasing from this building for 20 years. He said, we owe a lot of money to him. I don't know how in the world we'll ever pay it. He said, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not fearful about it. I'm not stressed out about it. I got no anxiety about it. I know the Lord is going to take care of it. Come on now. And so just this week, he went and met with the lawyer of the man who owns the building and told him their situation. And the lawyer, a lawyer, yeah, God bless the lawyers. The lawyer said to him, and he called up the owner and he says, you know what? I don't see why you can't just write this whole thing off. And so the owner said, 
you're right. I want to just do that. All of the past rent and in, and then for the, this year until they have to, because he, he sold the building until they move out, which is going to be like maybe three to six months. He said they don't even have to pay rent for that. It's going to be like over $100,000, $100,000 miracle just yesterday. Come on. I'm talking about infinitely beyond your wildest dreams. When you walk in what I'm about to talk about here this morning in the name of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, open up with me, please, to the gospel according to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 this morning. And uh, I'm going to read this uh, very familiar passage of Scripture. And, uh, and then I'm going to... This is a message uh, that God has worked into my life. It's one of those uh, life messages, I call, that God has taken a lifetime to work into you. And, uh, and so this is something that I have been working on my entire life, and uh, God has given me the grace, uh, and I've been wanting to, to kind of preach this message for a long time, but never felt the freedom to do it, but today I feel the freedom to do it. And so if, as I read this very familiar story and use it as my text this morning, I want, you to, I want to encourage you and invite you to um, listen to the story, read along with the story, like it's the first time you heard this true story about Jesus and his disciples. And it's, it, 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 the context is that Jesus had just spent the entire day teaching about the kingdom of God. Literally, for literally hours and hours, Jesus is teaching the multitude, thousands upon thousands of people, about how the kingdom of God works. And basically, it came down to this one sentence, my kingdom works like a farm. My word is a seed, the seed gets sown into the soil, the soil is your heart. If your heart is right and it belongs to me, he said it will produce a harvest of blessing in your life. Somebody say amen. And so he literally took the whole day just teaching that. And then at the end, he's literally, he's in a boat teaching to multitudes, sitting in a boat. He stands up in the boat and he says to all of his disciples and to all of the other boats that were there, he said, let's cross over to the other side. And then he walked to the back of the boat and he went to sleep. This is where we pick up the story. Watch this, watch this now. I'm going to read this. Watch this now. It says, on that same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of this lake. And leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus with him just as he was. Everybody say just as he was. No, no, everybody I said. Just as he was. That's it right there. We got to take Jesus just as he, a lot of times they want Jesus, but they want to change Jesus. Or they want Jesus, but they don't want everything that comes with Jesus. Come on now. They say, we're just taking Jesus just like he was. What I'm about to talk to you this morning, if you don't take Jesus just like he was, how many understand that this Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus? Come on now. And if you, the word can be engrafted into your spirit, Come on, into your soul. It'll save your soul this morning. And literally, it will literally cause Jesus to be formed on the inside of you. And he says, they leaving the crowd, they took Jesus just like he was. <clears throat> and verse 37, and a furious storm of wind of hurricane proportions arose and waves kept beating upon the boat so that it was already becoming filled. Verse 38, but he himself, Jesus, was back in the boat, sound asleep, calmly resting with his head on a soft cushioned pillow 
that Mike Lindell made. Come on, somebody. From MyPillow.com. Come on now. Yeah, that's right. Man, Mike, Mike Lindell, he loves the Jesus, man. Oh, I don't know if you know his testimony. He was set free from being a massive drug addict. Come on now. He loved Jesus. And they woke him up, and they said to a master, don't you care that we're about to die? How many understand it's not a, good, not a good idea to ask Jesus to, you know, that if he cares about you or not. And Jesus arose, number one, he rebuked, censured, and blamed the wind, and he shouted to the sea, peace, calm down, be still. And the wind stopped, and there was an immediately an atmosphere that was full of perfect peace. And then he said, why are you such cowards? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read, I'm reading it straight to you this morning. Come on now, I'm not watering this down at all. Come on now, why are you such cowards? He said, why are you so full of fear? How is it? Riddle me this. How is it that you guys have absolutely no faith and confidence in my power and the integrity of my word. How is that possible? Strong words. Did not I say to you that we were going to the other side? And they, they were staggered. Verse 41. They were overwhelmed with fear, exceedingly great fear. And they said one to another, who is this human man anyway? who walks and speaks with such authority that even the wind and the sea obey whatever he says. You cannot give what you do not have. Come on now. If you do not possess something on the inside, you cannot give it away. You cannot shift the atmosphere outside until the atmosphere has been shifted on the inside. There will be no peace on the outside until there is peace on the inside. And so that's what I want to talk about. This is a life message mm, that I've taken years to, to, to really master. I'm literally, I'm, I, let, me, let me just phrase it like this. Mm, the master of peace mm, wants to empower you to master peace so it can become the masterpiece of your life. Let me say that again. The master of peace wants to empower you to master peace so that this message will be the masterpiece of your life. Listen, if you don't have this working on the inside, you're, you're going to live a miserable life. This is something that I've had to work out extremely hard. And one of, one of the reasons is, is because I was born with a particular condition. And I don't tell a lot of people about this, so please don't tell anybody outside this room. And, um, but I was born with this particular condition. If you look at my hands here, both of my hands, you'll see that there is a straight line that goes across my hands. If you look at, and both, both of my hands have that, and if you look at your hands, your hands will not look like that. Your hands will have two lines that go one, they'll go like this, and then one goes like that. But my hand, those two lines in my mother's womb were fused together. Um, one line literally in leads to your heart or to the emotions of your life. The other line leads to the intellect. So one goes to your brain, one is tied to your heart. 
my, those two lines when I was in my mother's womb were fused together. So when I came out of her womb, um, I, I didn't have both of those lines. And it wasn't until years later, I didn't really know. I noticed that I always looked at my hand and they always looked strange to me kind of thing. But it wasn't until somebody uh, took my hands and looked at them and said, my goodness, listen, you, you have very unusual hands. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he says, she said, the, your hands, the only people on the planet that have hands like you are people that have Down syndrome. It is a symptom, a, 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 it is a characteristic of Down syndrome. Now, I don't have Down syndrome, but I do have one of the characteristics of a Down syndrome person. I was born with it, and that is the inability to discern between thoughts and emotions. I was not born with that. Um, and if you notice, if you, I don't know if you've ever had uh, been around somebody who has Down syndrome, they are very passionate people. Come on now. They are very loving people. They can be very loving people. At the same time, they can be very angry people kind of thing. They go from one extreme to the other extreme. And the reason is, of the thing that I just said, they have the inability to discern between what is an emotion and then what is a thought. And that is what I was born with. So every single thought of my entire life, now I'm 56 years old, every single thought that flows into my mind is highly infused with high level of emotion. So everything, so the enemy loves to take that and leverage that against me. And so worry, fear, stress, and anxiety, especially in the younger years, was something that I had a very hard time dealing with. In fact, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, and there's a lot of new people here, but early in my ministry, I had a nervous breakdown. In the first three years of my ministry, was absolutely horrific. By the end of the third year, I had a complete and total nervous breakdown, and uh, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit say, he said, son, I want you to take a sabbatical from the full-time ministry, and so for 18 months, I did not preach, I did not teach, I did not prophesy, I did not pray for people. Um, I went and I got a job, a secular job at a medical research lab as a courier, and the reason was is because I chose that job is because I would be in a car all by myself going to different hospitals and doctor's offices. Um, for about mm, 10 hours a day, six days a week, um, um, for 18 months, all by myself. And so in that car, for 18 months, I did nothing but listen to praise and worship music. I did nothing but pray in tongues. I did nothing but listen to the Word of God 10 hours a day, six days a week, 365 days out of that year, and then another six months, for 18 months, until... My soul, real healing began to take place. And then I began to realize that I needed, if, there, if I was ever going to live free from worry, stress, anxiety, and fear, and not have another nervous breakdown, that I really needed to understand how to walk in the power of peace. Are you following me this morning? <clears throat> and so this message it's not just something that is coming off the top of my head. This is something that I've worked into my life because I had to. It was a matter of survival for me 
uh, not ending up in a hospital. I had to learn how to overcome fear, stress, worry at high levels that was literally being leveraged to me at all times of the day with every single thought. And as a pastor, I don't know, some of you can't really relate to this, but as a pastor for 34 years dealing with all the different problems that are in the church and all the different people that, mm, that, don't really care for you most of the time. Come on, somebody. Let me try to be real nice about it. And, uh, and so you got to start dealing with all of that and, uh, and all of the words and all of the thoughts that people project upon you um, and then having to deal with that continually. So I had to really get, get, really, uh, get a gr grip on this and really begin to practice this in my life. Now, I want to start, and the, one of the reasons, let me just start by saying this, that, uh, that uh, worry hinders your creativity um, fear stops your faith, stress drains your energy, anxiety kills your vision. Let me say that again. Worry will hinder your creativity, fear stops your faith, stress drains your energy, anxiety kills your vision. And so it's so important that we really understand that as we've been talking about and since the beginning of the year about this power of the word exemption, that the, which is the process of freeing or state of being free from an obligation or liability that is imposed upon others. You are exempt or God has literally freed you from living um, under the bondage of all of this. And let me start here by this morning by just reading to you two definitions. Number one, I want to read to you the, the definition of the word shalom, peace. It means not only peace, but it means prosperity, completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, perfectness, <clears throat> fullness, rest, harmony, absence of agitation and discord, to be completely perfect and full, nothing missing, nothing broken, the absence of all things harmful, the presence of all things beneficial in your life. That is the Hebrew definition of the word shalom. So when Jesus uses the word peace and uh, throughout the Bible, that's what he's saying. It's not saying, well, just to, you know, to have, it's not a salutation, it's not a little greeting, and uh, it's not just, hey, it's not just simply about having peace in your, uh, in, in your, in it's about having peace in your mind, but it goes way beyond that. And with that, I want to give you the definition of the Greek word for salvation this morning because it ties together. The Hebrew word shalom really is the equivalent of the Greek word for salvation, sotera. It means, it means to be de deliverance, preservation, material and temporal deliverance from all danger and apprehension, Pardon, protection, liberty, health in your physical body, restoration, soundness, and wholeness. It includes everything, including eternity in heaven, a car to drive on in, in this earth, healing for your body, a house to live in for your family. The word is used 45 times in the New Testament. It's used seven times in the book of Hebrews that's written to the Hebrew people because and it, that's the book that it's used the most. And the reason is, I personally believe, that the Hebrew people understood that word literally is the exact word of peace, shalom. Shalom is salvation. Come on now. So I wanted the worship team to really sing that song. And it starts out by just releasing the blessing. May, the, the, may the, the face of the Father literally be turned towards you. And may his peace.
be upon you. May it come like never before in your life. Supernatural peace. This is why mm, uh, the Apostle Paul, he says in the book of Philippians chapter 4, and I'm just going to read, you don't need to turn because we're going to come right back um, to that, but it says there, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and then the peace of God, then the peace of God will surpass or supersede all natural understanding and will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. So he says here, and he writes this in prison, chained down. He says, you rejoice and do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be fearful. Don't let anxiety and uh, grip your life. He says it over and over and over again. And so I want to encourage us. First of all, it is not a suggestion. It is a commandment to us. Come on, not to worry, not to be anxious, not to be fearful, not to be stressed out. And we need to make a commitment, come on now, to not fear, to not be worried, to not be stressed out. You need to be a, make a commitment to that like you made a commitment not to be a drunkard. Come on now, you need to make a commitment to that like you made a commitment, I'm not going to be a drug addict. Come on now. You need to make a commitment to that like you made a commitment. I'm not going to be an adulterer. Come on now. And I am going to not worry whatsoever. And I am not talking about trying to be just a little bit more positive. I'm talking about a radical departure from fear and anxiety-driven thinking to the point where I make a choice in my life. I refuse to release any more negative faith in my life. Come on now. That's what it's all about. you got to make a commitment to do this. My goodness. That's why Jesus told Jairus when they said, your daughter is dead, he said, don't panic, don't worry, don't be anxiety, don't let the message stress you out, just keep on believing. Don't worry. Don't be fearful. Oh, then the peace of God. I remember years ago, I read uh, uh, a, little, um, a little story about Nelson Mandela. He spent 14,855 days in prison. And he said, this is a quote, he said, I never gave myself an opportunity one day to get depressed. I decided against discouragement. I had the privilege and honor when I was in South Africa, for the, it, was the, it was the first time that I was there, in one of my meetings, the man who shared the cell with Nelson Mandela and was his best friend for 14,855 days, that man who now literally runs Robben Island. Robben Island was like Alcatraz. It was a, all, the whole thing was a prison. Now it's a tourist thing. And now he who was the, the best friend of Nelson Mandela actually runs the entire island. And he was in one of my meetings and I got to prophesy concerning his future and it literally changed his entire life no fear no worry he said man don't be anxious about anything don't be fearful and then begin to just lift up your prayers before the lord how many understand if you're going to pray before the lord if you're full of anxiety fear stress and worry your prayers aren't going anywhere because there's no faith involved in those kind of prayers 
I don't mean to be rude or mean or anything like that, but I'm just telling you right now. So he says, lift up that supplication. Pray the will of God. Come on now. Do not fear. Don't be anxious. Lift it up. Declare the will of God. Come on now. If you have a loved one that needs to be saved, you declare it's the will of God that all should be saved and none should perish, right? You declare the word of God. Declare, come on, you pray. You don't panic and you pray the will of God. Come on now, you don't, you decide, I'm not going to worry, don't panic, right then, pray the will of God. Come on now, don't pray, don't be praying, Lord, save my loved ones if it be thy will. No, stop praying goofy prayers like that. Come on now, don't be praying, oh Lord, heal my body if it be thy will. No, stop praying that. I do not pray those kind of prayers any more than I do pray this. Oh Lord, deliver me from the bondage of this sin if it be thy will. How stupid is that? I, sometimes I want to ask Christians, how stupid can you get and still breathe when you pray stupid prayers like that? Oh, my God. Really, I really want to say that. And sometimes I have said that. And I really don't give a rip because I am so sick and tired of this Mickey Mousey mm, Christians going, oh, Lord, if it be that. No, get into the Bible. Come on now. Did you know that 95% of American Christians are biblically illiterate? Oh, my God. I just read that last week. Oh, my God. 95% of bib. Come on. People who call themselves Christians in America are biblically illiterate. That's why they don't know how to pray like they should pray. Come on now. And so it is the will of God expressed in the person of Jesus that you be well spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially in your life. Jesus said, you don't need to worry about anything. Come on now. Not even the birds worry anything. Aren't you more important and more valuable than the birds? Come on now. When's the last time? Come on, when's the last time you saw a bird on Prozac? Come on now, there is no such thing as birds taking, they don't, they're not, oh my God, where are we, come on now, where are we going to get food? And the very least that you could do is pray, Lord, give me a bird brain. Lord, give me a bird brain. Help me, help me, give me a, a brain at least as big as a bird so I know where to find the resources. Come on, birds never go hungry. <sighs> come on now, mm, come on, don't panic. Pray now. And then he says, begin to thank the Lord. Begin to praise him with everything that you got. And then he said, then something supernatural is triggered. He said, then a military, a military officer by the name of Mr. Peace. Come on now. Come on. Jehovah Shalom steps up into your life and says nothing in this person's life that does not represent the peace of God. Come on now. The peace of God. Prosperity, completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, fullness, rest, and harmony. He said if it doesn't represent any of that, it cannot come into this life. But as soon as you start worrying, that military guard sits down. He just sits down and everything, you are open season now for every diabolical spirit of anxiety, fear, worry that's in your vicinity. So important that we understand that. Come on now. Let me read a few verses concerning peace and I, I pray Holy Spirit. You take these scriptures, come on, there's power, there's impartation through the Word of God. As I read them over you, let it just wash over you, let it come alive on the inside of you. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have, you saith the Lord, thoughts and for welfare, and I have thoughts and plans to do nothing but to give you peace. 
Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord will strengthen his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 37, 11 says, but the meek shall inherit the earth and they shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Mm, come on now. Uh, it says here, in Psalm 37, verse 37, mark the blameless man and, and uh, observe the upright for the, for the future of that man is nothing but peace. Psalm 85, verse 8 says, I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. Isaiah 9, 6 says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And then he went on to say that the government that runs the kingdom of heaven shall be upon his shoulders when he comes. And of that kingdom, and of that government, and of the peace... And of the peace, uh, now come on now, of the prosperity, completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, fullness, rest, harmony, come on now, absence of agitation and discord, to be completely perfect and full, nothing missing, nothing broken, the absence of all things harmful, the presence of all things beneficial, of that peace, it shall never, ever end. It shall only increase over your life. That's the blessing. That's what that song's all about. That's why it starts out by talking about peace. Because the definition of peace is the blessing of the Lord that they're singing about. May the blessing of God come upon you. Everything that's tied in that one word called shalom. Ephesians 2.14 says Jesus is our peace. Romans 5.1 says because we are justified by faith, we have peace. In Luke chapter 19, verse 42, it says that Jesus stood over Jerusalem and he began to weep because they had rejected him. And he said, because you refused to receive my peace. He was brokenhearted. Why? Because Jesus, this peace that he has, is so absolutely powerful. That's why he goes on to say in John chapter 14, when he's getting ready to go to the cross, he says, my peace, I'm now leaving with you. My own personal peace. My own personal peace. What did Pastor Doug say under the anointing earlier? If you will give the Lord all your heart and surrender, everything that belongs to him will become yours. Come on now, it does, this is not an accident. Come on now, it, if you got to, as you yield to the Lord, this is one of the things that belongs to him. He says, it is your inheritance. I am going to bequeath it to you. And this peace is not like the world's peace. He says, I, he says, so he says, goes on to say, do not let, make a intentional decision to do not let your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Stop allowing yourselves the choice is yours and do not be permit yourself to be fearful and intimidated and to be a coward don't allow yourself to be intimidated and come on fearful and to walk around as a coward these are the words of jesus this is what i've bequeathed to you this is what you have inherited from me my peace is not like the world's peace come on now 
The world's peace is based upon circumstances. He says, mm, in my life, he says, come on, I just read you the story. No matter what's happening in my life, no matter what the circumstances are, I have perfect peace. That's the peace that I'm giving to you. It has nothing to do with what's happening in your life or what's not happening in your life. In fact, I just read to you, Jesus rebuked the disciples because they lost their peace in the storm. One of the things, one of the lessons that Jesus was wanting to do, come on now, get, get, now, get the picture now. Jesus is sound asleep, resting in the back of the boat, on the pillow, a storm of hurricane proportion is raging all around them. Come on now, the boat is about to go under, and Jesus is not even close to waking up. They go and they shake him and they wake him up, and uh, he literally gets up, he releases what's on the inside of him over the storm, and then he rebukes them. But one of the things that he wanted them to learn was, is that in the midst of the storm, that's one of the reasons Jesus didn't jump up and stop the storm is because he wanted them to see how powerful this peace is that he carries. You need to see it. See it. In the midst of a raging storm, I'm not even moved. I don't even lose a wink of sleep. I'm not fearful, I'm not stressed out, I have no anxiety, I'm not worried about a thing. I'm in perfect peacefulness right there. In fact, when the storm was over and circumstances were totally peaceful, they were still full of exceedingly great fear on their life. So the even after Jesus changed the circumstances, they were still raging with fear on the inside of them. He said, my goodness. I'm trying to, this is a gift. This is a gift. I want you to see this as peace. He said, it's a gift. It's your inheritance. You can actually live like me on this earth the way that I lived on this earth. I've given it to you. Now it's your choice. Let it happen. Let it rule in your life. Let it guard your heart. Let it guard your mind. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, from experience, if you don't have this kind of peace, you are not enjoying life. And it is the will of God for you to enjoy life to its fullness. So how do I experience this peace? Come on now. Uh, number one, I want to just make this comment that I, I think I said it about a month ago. Um, but number one is when it comes to living and maintaining peace in your life kind of thing, it says, first of all, you got to always remember, you cannot change yourself. You cannot change other people, and you cannot make things happen out of season. Let me say that again. You cannot change yourself. You cannot change other people, and you cannot change things out of season. Trying to do something about something that you have no power to do anything about brings nothing but frustration in your life. And every time I get frustrated, I always remind myself mm, that I'm trying to make something happen before it's time for it to happen in my life. And so I literally step back and allow the peace of God uh, to literally rule and reign once again. And because uh, I want to enjoy life. It isn't about just simply getting someplace. It's about enjoying the journey getting there. Come on now. 
And I'm telling you right now, this has been worked into my spirit. I just want to, just I'm praying, Holy Spirit, may something supernatural take place in your spirit today. Um, I've had several people, just to, something happened a couple, about three weeks ago at the prayer meeting. Pastor Steve, I believe his name was, was here and he was just talking towards the end. He began to, he just kind of, he looked at me and he said, Pastor Dan, there's just something absolutely, uh, I forget how exactly how he phrased it, but he said, but when you talk, when you speak, when you prophesy, there's an absolute supernatural impartation of peace that's released out of your spirit over people when you begin to declare the word of God. And last week I was out to lunch with my dear friend, Dr. Clyde Rivers, and uh, he, he reminded me, and it, it, was, it really blessed me, about a year and a half ago, I, I was totally unaware of this, that he was going through this really dark season in his life, and he was being tormented with great fear over some things that were happening in his life, and, and, and fear of what could possibly happen in the future kind of thing. And we were just sitting in the Starbucks, and I began to prophesy to him, and he recorded it, and just last week, he, he still has it. 18 months later, he still has it on his phone, and he listens to it all the time, he says. He said, when you prophesied that word from the Lord to me, there was a supernatural peace that came over me and literally set me free from that diabolical spirit that was tormenting my mind. And he said, I've been set free and I've been in total peace for 18 months now. You can't give what you don't have. So how do we, how do we, how do we, how do we, how do we really grab a hold of this? Number one is, as I said earlier, you got to take Jesus just as he is. Mm -hmm. You got to build your life on the foundation of Jesus and his words. Come on now. He said, we're going to the other side. The word of God, the integrity of God's word has got to be the number one priority in your life. This right here needs to be the highest level of authority in your life as it relates to every decision that you're going to make in your life. Every decision. This right here at the highest level, if it doesn't line up with this, I don't make the decision. My decisions are based upon the word and the word only right there. And I build my life upon that. I build my character upon that. I build my values upon that. Come on now. Values are non-negotiable characteristics that determine who you want to be and what your life is going to represent. Let me say that again. Values are non-negotiable negotiable characteristics that determine what you want to be and what your life is going to represent. Isaiah 32, 17 says that the outcome of right living will always be peace. Oh, come on, somebody. And I'm talking about the definition that I've read to you. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Job 22, verse 21 says, Acquaint now yourself with God. Come on now. And be conformed to his will. And the power of peace will cause you to prosper. And nothing but good shall come your way. Oh, my God. I'm talking about there is a blessing to living right. Come on now. When you build your life on the word of God. Did not Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7, he said when the storms come, if your life is not built upon my words and practicing my words in your life, your life will fall apart. 
It's not me doing it. It's not even the devil doing it. The devil may orchestrate storms. Come on now. But let me tell you, you got to be able to maintain this kind of peace on the inside of you. Building, come on, building your life on this. And always remember, building requires growth and change. Building requires growth and change. Don't mean to curse in church, but building will require you to grow and to change. Come on now. Come on, even to get stronger, faster, higher, you got to pay the price. But I promise you, if you stay the way you are, the price will be a lot higher in the end. And so it's so important. Change does not always bring growth, but I promise you, if you're growing, you will be changing. Mm-hmm. Nothing that's living stays the same. So if you're always staying the same, come on now, that means that life is literally seeping out of you. Living cause thing. If you're living, you're growing, you're changing, you're developing, you're moving, you're getting bigger. Come on. And that's going to require, folks, the help of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. That's why Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace which comes from Christ rule as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality every question that will arise in your life in that peaceful state to which all the members of Christ's body are called to live and then be thankful, come on, be appreciative and give praise to God continually. Let the Holy Spirit, come on, he says, I will lead God and direct you like an umpire in the baseball that says that's out, that's in, that's a ball, that's a strike, that's out of bounds. He says that's out, that's in. Let the peace The Holy Spirit will use peace to determine that needs to get out of your life. That needs to come into your life. Come on now. So if you are making a decision even this morning and you don't have peace about it, I'm telling you right now, if you're not in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're out of the will of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just dropping it large on you today. Come on now. Come on. Right there. If you're not in the will of God. And by the way, there ain't no two wills of God. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not buying into the theology that there's God's perfect will and then God's permissive will. Come on now. He doesn't got plan A, plan B, and plan C. He has one will for your life, one plan for your life. Come on now. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 that he has pre-planned, pre-arranged, predestined, and caused pathways that were pre-planned for you to take and good works for you to do. He did all of that before you were even born into this planet. He pre-arranged everything and it didn't have multiple plans to it or backups to it. It was one plan, one will. Either you're in the will of God or you're not in the will of God. And you can use all kinds of um, stuff to try to excuse yourself, but the reality is it's just not that. And let me just throw this in for free this morning. That includes your relationships. Hello, hello, anybody, is, are you still in the building? That includes your relationships. Come on now. Listen, you can choose your, you can't, I mean, you don't, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. Mm-hmm. And you need to ask yourself, come on now, when you get done spending time with your friends, come on now, uh, do they rob your peace or do they increase the peace over your life? Come on now, when you get done, I want you to think about that. If, they, if you get done and you're not stronger after you get done spending time with those people and you're weaker, you need to give some serious thought to those relationships. 
You can't just be friends with anybody. We minister to everybody, but Jesus, come on now, he had the multitude, he had the 500 disciples, then he had the 70, then he had the 12, then there was the three, then there was John, the beloved, who was the closest to Jesus the Christ. Come on now. He intentionally only let certain people get close to him because he refused to allow anything to rob. You remember when he went to, to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead? And all these people full of fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, unbelief. Come on now, he got them all out of the room. Why? Because he needed an atmosphere that was conducive to raising someone from the dead. Are you listening to me? If you're going to stay in an atmosphere, come on, of fear, doubt, unbelief, and allow people to be in your life that are speaking words of fear, words of stress, come on, words of anxiety, and you're going to just sit there and take it and not open up your mouth and say anything, come on now. That reminds me, let me just say this. I might have said this years ago, but there's a lot of new people. There was a, a, a young man, come on now, who uh, was living in the, the nation of Brazil, uh, uh, Kelly, and uh, living in Brazil, and, uh, and so his father was uh, in the United States, and he wanted to send his father a birthday gift, and so he bought the, uh, one of those McCall birds, and uh, literally that can speak, and he found one that could speak like five different languages, and he literally had that thing shipped. It cost a lot of money, that bird, those birds last, I mean, they live almost 100 years, and he says, he bought, he paid a lot of money for it, he paid a lot of money to ship it to his dad, and he got it to, you know, to his dad for his birthday, and, uh, and so about a couple of weeks later, he called his dad, and he says, dad, did you get my birthday present? And he said, yeah. He says, son, thank you, thank you very much. And he said, yeah. He said, man, that bird was delicious. He said, what? Are you telling me that you ate that bird? He said, yeah. He said, you know how much money I paid for that bird? Come on, that bird could speak five different languages. And you ate that bird? And the dad said to the son, well, he, he should have said something. <laughs> Don't just sit there and let the devil eat your lunch. Come on now. Stand up and say something. Don't let fear, worry, anxiety eat you from the inside out. Come on now. Stand up and say something and say, no way. Come on now. I got the faith of God on the inside of me. I got his love, and I have inherited the supernatural peace of God, of Jesus Christ himself. It's in me, and I activate it. I refuse to let stress, worry. Don't let it happen, Jesus said. Don't be a coward. Stand up and be strong, he says. Come on now. There's power in maintaining a calm, peaceful, trusting attitude before the Lord. Come on now. Once you lose peace, come on now. Oh, come on now. You begin to all say all kinds of things that just adds fuel to the fire. Come on, that's why words are very, very powerful. And the devil, he knows exactly every, every trigger to pull. Come on now. He knows exactly all the things that he needs to do. Send people in your life, come on, to say what they need to say. He knows all the little triggers that on the inside of you. He knows them better than most of you don't, your own selves. Come on now. You need to know what's going on on the inside of yourself and guard yourself and literally create an atmosphere around yourself. Why? Because the book of James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, said this. 
Listen, this is so very powerful. He said, the person who's declaring the word of God, which would be me this morning, must be at a place of peace. And then he said, the people that are receiving the word of God from the preacher, come on, must be at a place of peace. If both are not at a place of peace, my word will not produce the fruit of righteousness. There will be no harvest. No blessing will come to your life. So you can sit there and say, well, man, he didn't have no anointing today this morning. Or you can be real and say, Lord, I need you to help me to get some peace going on on the inside. Instead of me sitting here worried about all kinds of things, letting my mind wander about all 10 different things that's, gonna, that's going on in my life or it's about to happen kind of thing. And instead, you, you don't receive anything that, from the Holy Spirit this morning. That's why Jesus told his disciples when they go out, he said to them in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, he said, now listen, when you step into somebody's house, you release the blessing of peace yes. over the house. Not just saying, he's not talking about just say peace. Peace be unto you. No, no, no. He's talking about the blessing that I just read to you, all those definitions. He said, let that. When they said shalom, they understood what that really meant. And so release that. And he said, if they don't receive you, if they reject you, take the blessing from the peace back to you and leave the city. Why? Because of what James said, if they're not in peace and have received you in peace, it is totally useless and pointless to preach the kingdom there. Because nothing, there will be no harvest whatsoever. He said, don't even waste one breath, one minute of your life. Go to the edge of the city, take a towel, lift up your foot, and wipe the dust off your foot and look at them and say, the only thing that we receive from you people in this city is the dirt on our shoes, and we're not even taking that with us. We're giving back your dirt to you. Take it. Bye-bye. See you later. Come on. I'm talking about. So we go, oh, just... And so we, we're going around, we got this culture going around now. You go, oh my God, no matter what they do, no matter how they talk about us, no matter what they say, just go ahead and just, just, you know, just be lovey-dovey all over them kind of thing. No, no, Jesus didn't say try to overcome their, their, their rejection kind of thing. And just No, he said, move on. Don't waste your time with these people. I'm just telling you the words of Jesus. Because there's a whole lot of false gospel out there kind of thing. So it's so important that we do that. It's so important that we understand that. <clears throat> Number two is you got to keep your peace. You got to stand your guard. I mean, you got to literally stand your ground in the midst of storms and trials and tribulations. You got to stand your ground there. And that's why I said, verse 37 storms will arise. Come on now. Storms will arise. Jesus didn't never promise that you would come on now, just tiptoe through a rose garden the rest of your life. Come on, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, the evil day is coming. It will come. It's on its way, and it comes unannounced and uninvited, but it's about to show up in your life. And if you don't understand how to operate and function, come on now, with the power of peace on the inside, because once you lose your peace, the storm can kill you. Once you lose your peace, the storm can kill you. And it isn't God doing it. 
or allowing it to happen. It's you allowing. That's why he says don't allow this to function in your life. Only allow my peace to happen in your life. Psalm 55, 18 says, He has delivered my mind, my will, and my emotions from the battle that was against me by giving me his peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Those who trust God and keep their minds on God will experience perfect peace in their life. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28 says this, And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and your adversaries, for such consistency, such consistency, such consistency and fearlessness will be a clear sign. It will be proof to your enemies of their impending destruction, it will be evidence of your deliverance and your salvation from God. And that word deliverance and salvation, right there is that Greek word sotera, right there, which is equivalent to the word peace. The blessing, all of those blessings shall be yours if you refuse to be intimidated, fearful concerning the enemy of our lives. We're standing strong in these last days. Number three, if you're going to walk in the power of this peace, come on now, and literally walk in this inheritance that you have, you've got to literally make a decision that I am not going to allow anything and any person to offend me. Wow. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, dear Lord. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love the word of God, and nothing will cause them to be offended. Come on now. Peace is the key to not being offended. No matter what they say, no matter what they do. I don't care what you, you're not taking my peace. Come on now. If they take your peace, it's because you let them take it. Come on now. Well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil did not make you do it. Come on now. It's you. The devil needs a human to do what he needs to do. Just like the Holy Spirit needs a human to do what he needs to do in the earth. The devil. So the devil cannot make you do anything. Come on now. You have to yield, literally yield to the spirit of offense in your life. That's why 2 Timothy 2.1 says, Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 22 verse 3 says this, Satan literally entered Judas Come on now, right before the Last Supper. Not after the Last Supper, before the Last Supper, Judas entered, Satan entered into the life of Judas. The Bible only records two times that Satan, I'm talking about a demon, I'm talking about Satan himself, will only possess two people in the history of mankind. One will be Judas, and the other will be the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. Literally, when Judas showed up at the Last Supper, he was literally possessed fully possessed by Satan himself. And Jesus looked at him and washed his feet and spoke in such a way that even in that condition, to give him a chance to repent, he literally served him communion in that con condition. And then he allowed him to kiss him on both cheeks in the garden. Satan himself. So when the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, you need to be strong in that grace, the grace that Jesus Christ operated in. A grace that even when somebody is about to literally betray you and are possessed by Satan himself, a grace that empowers you to love them, wash their feet, serve them communion, and allow them to embrace you and not be 
offended by that. That's powerful stuff right there. Even in the midst of that, Satan looking through the eyes of Judas right at him, he said, sorry, my peace even supersedes you. <laughs> I'm talking about a supernatural, unbelievable, infinitely beyond peace that literally gives you the power to literally not lose your cool. Come on now. To literally, in the midst of overwhelming satanic oppression that's coming against you. Come on now. That's why he told his disciples, come on, when he was on his way to Jerusalem, and he says they were going through a Samaritan village, and it says they would not receive him. And James and John, come on, the sons of thunder, came back and said, let's call fire down. Let's kill them all now, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't even know what spirit you're on. Not even that could offend Jesus. He said, no, it's going to take us a little bit longer. We're just going to go around that village because we don't want to get offended and we don't want to intentionally offend any of them because we are going to do whatever it takes to maintain this peace. Nothing and nobody shall rob me of my peace. That's what the disciples, they got, not only did it was the storm robbing them of peace, but then they got offended at Jesus and they got double loss of peace. The storm and then offenses, all in the same story. Jesus, don't you even care that we're about to die? <sighs> the last thing I want to mention here this morning is <clears throat> to keep your peace, you've got to be a person of hope and faith. Come on now. You remember the woman who came to Jesus at the, at, with the alabaster box in Luke 7.30? And it says, after she began, that alabaster box, the Bible says, is worth a, a year's wages. Today, we could say, really conservatively, uh, if you, uh, it was worth around $50,000. She literally brought a $50,000 offering to the feet of Jesus and poured it out and then washed his feet with her tears and her hair. And it says, Jesus, when it was all done, she said, <clears throat> he said to the woman now, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It wasn't just a say goodbye. That definition that I read you, he's literally released all of those blessings over her because of her heart had been totally given over to Jesus. You remember the lady with the issue of blood that came to him and she was instantly healed. She felt the power of God come out. Jesus felt power come out. He didn't even know who it was. But when the story, at the end of the story, Jesus says to her, now watch this, now watch this. He said, lady, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. And then he said, here's, here's how it reads in the Greek language, step into peace. It doesn't say go in peace. It means, he said, step into an atmosphere of peace and live there. And if you don't live there, that's just how it reads, that which was upon you will have the opportunity to come back on you. So he was telling her, the power that flowed out of me has set you free, but if you want to stay free, you're going to have to live in an atmosphere of peace. Come on now. Faith and hope creates an atmosphere of peace. 
Hope and faith must be in Jesus and not in the end results. Your hope and faith, come on, must reside on the inside and not in things. Hope and faith matter are matters of choice and not circumstances. Hope and faith looks to God's timing, not your timing. Hope and faith shines the brightest when the hour is the darkest. Hope and faith sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope and faith sings when all the melodies are gone. Hope and faith believes when all evidence has totally been eliminated. Hope and faith listens for the answers when nobody is talking. By allowing hope and faith to rule and reign on the inside of you, every environment, internal and externally, can be transformed into the most positive one for the Lord to work into. The power of hope and faith. I want to just close with this one definition and it goes time. There's a whole bunch of people here that weren't here. About almost three years ago, I did a whole series of messages on the truth about faith and patience. And the one of the definitions, I give you six definitions in that series out of the Greek language. And the one that I want to leave you with here today is the one that says this. Patience, because the Bible says, by faith and patience, they inherited the promises. Faith and patience. The definition of patience, a quality of calmness, stability, and persistent courage in trying circumstances. A quality of calmness and stability and persistence in courage, persistent courage in trying circumstances. Most people think when they say faith and patience, they, mean, they think it means to be faith and waiting a whole long time. Sometimes there's a waiting involved. But this definition, a lot of believers wait a long time, but they don't wait with calmness. They don't wait with stability. There's no persistent courage while they're waiting. So they actually, even though you're waiting, there's no patience. So you can wait for eternity, and it's never going to happen. Faith and patience the phrase I like to sum up that definition is maintaining your composure. So, we go to our text here this morning. By faith and patience, Jesus stopped the storm because he had no storm on the inside. He had peace on the inside, therefore he could give peace. When you step up in the midst of a storm, it's faith and your ability to maintain your composure in the storm that releases the power of God in your life. Patience is all about internal composure or internal peace. Faith is all about external peace or composure. So if you want your faith to change your outward circumstances, first, you must master the ability to maintain your composure internally. Master the ability to have peace on the inside where you can literally sleep, rest, stay calm, maintain your composure, come on now, in the midst of the most trying circumstances and at the right moment, you can stand up, and now you can give what you possess. Because in that process, 
your heart has been transformed. Your heart has been given over to the Lord. And now your heart is literally controlled by this gift that he has graced you with called my personal peace. And out of that place, my faith will arise and change everything in your life for your good and my glory. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for every believer here today. I thank you, Lord God, for every son and daughter. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord God, Father, no matter what they're facing this morning, no matter what's going on, Lord God, no matter what's going to happen tomorrow, we thank you, Lord God, Father, that you said that we don't need to worry about our past. You have the power to take the regrets, the what-ifs, the mistakes, everything that we made in the past, and you have the ability to literally clean it all up and change it and use it and redeem it. And you've already stepped into our future, so we don't need to worry about our tomorrows. You've already been into our tomorrows. You're there right now. You're in our future, calling us from the future into the future. He's in your future, calling you from the future to the future, and he's saying everything is okay. Come on in. The water's just fine. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for supernatural peace. To every mind, to every heart, to every soul, even to our nervous systems this morning, I release the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nervous systems. Nervous system. There's, there's several of you. There, there's like, I, the Holy Spirit is showing me there's at least six people here that have been just dealing with just your nerve endings. Your nerve endings. Something's going on in your nervous system, your nerve endings. And you just feel like just, um, it's all good. I was there. I believe it. Even though this is a, a tough message and, and a challenging one, and you hear my heart. I was there. I had the nervous breakdown. I had to do what I was preaching here this morning to survive. So I know what it feels to feel like you're on the edge and you're about to lose it, to lose everything and never return. So I speak to that this morning in the name of Jesus. And I release that which you have, Lord, graced me with and worked into me throughout the years through the power of your word through personal experience. I release it now, and I say that every nervous system is being made whole and being healed now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give Jesus all the praise and all the glory. Amen.